0: This episode of Talking with TK is brought to you by Populous. Check out their Master the Art of Sales course at www.populus.com.au. Welcome back to Talking with TK. I am your host Tristan Connell, episode 66, and we've got Sia Fainga joining us on the show. It's quite a mouthful his name, but it's one, it's an interesting one. He's Tongan and Indigenous, and I'm sure that everyone knows exactly who it is. He played for the Wallabies for so many years, as well as playing at the ACT Brumbies and the Queensland Reds. Right now, he's over in London. He's playing for the London Irish. So. It's gonna be good to check in with him. He's got plenty of stories from all over, from growing up in Canberra, to making it at the ACT Brumbies and the Queensland Reds, and all these experiences, both for the Wallabies and overseas. So quite an episode ahead. Just a big thank you to everyone tuning in today. I really appreciate you stopping by. If it's your first time here, you can subscribe for free via iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Overcast. They're usually the ones that I use. Pretty much anywhere that you can get a podcast You'll be able to find Talking with TK, or I've got it all online www.talkingwithtk.com. Episode guides, a player for each episode. So anything that you need, please find it there. If you're struggling to get onto the show, please send me an email tristan at talkingwithtk.com, or connect with me on my social medias. I'm at Talking with TK across my Twitter and Facebook, or you can connect with me on Instagram at Tristan Nell. Alright, guys, let's get straight to it. And I introduced Saya Fayinga. Alright, guys, my special guest is Saya Fayinga. Saya is a professional rugby union player for the London Irish. His extensive career has seen him play in the Super Rugby for the ACT Brumbies and the Queensland Reds, while he's also capped 36 times for the Wallabies. I welcome the man, Saya Fayinga. Saya. Hey, mate. How are you? <laughs> how did I go? Fienga.
1: Uh, Fienga? Uh, or Yeah. i sorry, my man. Fienga. It's all right, mate. It's all right. it's all right. It's better than finger, that's for sure. <laughs> like the, the good old finger. So, so uh, say a finger is, uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot better than that. So, <laughs> appreciate it.
0: Thanks for the introduction. No worries at all, mate. mate let's start with, yeah, obviously, the current season. You know, I know that you got hurt late last year with your foot injury. You're back into the team now. Why don't you give us a little update on how the, the season's progressing, man?
1: Yeah, so uh, obviously I joined London Irish with a, I suppose I'd, I'd broken two of my toes. I snapped the metatarsal of my toes. And so what they had to do was actually, they had to reattach my toes, but um, the ligaments were actually shortened. So they had to dislocate my toes, shave them down, put them back in. And then um, obviously I had to come back from, redislocating my toes, so, so it was a big process. A few band aids, is that what happened? Yeah, more or less. I just kind of had to harden up, which was the usual. But um, yeah, like I suppose this this year or last year, this year coming back from Super Rugby, coming from Super Rugby from the Brumbies, and then coming back into I suppose European rugby, uh, it, it's been difficult. It's a lot different. And, um, I think the rugby over here suits me a lot better. Yeah, uh, it's more confrontational. You know, the, you know, it's a lot. You know, they're bigger bodies um you know heavier grounds it's wet it's damp it's cold it's uncomfortable um you know there's a lot of guys that are weighing over 140 fully 140 kgs Ooh, wow. which is yeah a, a lot bigger than what you get in super rugby um so it's just our season super physical yeah it's it, yeah it is but you know some of the guys to their credit they move so well and um you know that it's it just you know they love their weights. Every I've never seen, especially at London Irish, I haven't seen so many teams enjoy doing four weight sessions a week. Where you know coming from Super Rugby, most guys only do three, and then you know maybe a top up on on a Friday, if not, you know maybe a top up on a Wednesday, but never you know four weight sessions uh, in a week. So um, in in season, so I suppose that's a big learning curve for me. Mm. Uh, but I suppose for our season at London Irish, we haven't gone too well. We had high expectations coming up. From uh, we got relegated last year, and then we've come up uh, into the Premiership from the Championship. Uh, I obviously didn't know much about the Premiership or the the, uh, Championship, so this is all new to me. Uh, We're sitting on the bottom. We're sitting actually on the bottom of the ladder, and could get relegated again, which is not ideal. Um, But I, I suppose you know it's been the biggest learning curve for me is just knowing how many competitions we're in. We're in. Uh, Anglo-Welsh Cup, which yep. is, we play, um, you know, the Cardiff Blues, we play Edinburgh, we play all these other teams uh, in the European kind of cup, and then we play, um, I think it's called the LV Cup, which is, I have no idea, I, I'm i not allowed to play if you're not, so you have to be a certain amount of uh, English players to have to play, so you have to play, I think about 90% of English players have to play in this actual comp. Okay. Um, so... Um, the clubs get, I think it's a million dollars or uh, 800 or 600,000 pounds. Uh, they get granted. So for us, we predominantly only play English players um, to get the grant, mm-hmm. um, as most clubs do. And then obviously you've got the Premiership Cup, which is the big one. And so um, that's the big one that we're actually aiming for.
0: Yeah. So is this the first time that you've played without
1: Anthony? Yeah. So after 30 years, this first time. Wow. Yeah. It's... A, it's I oh, know it's. Uh, How's that felt? It's, it's been. T- yeah, it, I, I suppose it's been different. Uh, I never thought that our careers would probably change so much since we've kind of um, departed from each other. But I suppose uh, you haven't. Like I've always said, you know, in everything, like I've always had my best mate there with me. Mm. Um, you know, and people don't. People go, "Oh, you got your wife?" I, I go, "Well, my kids, or whatever." Like it's a different kind of relationship. You know, we've played together since we were kids. We've, we've actually, you know, we've played rugby since I I can't remember. And, you know, it's like having someone there that knows who's a coach or your father or, or your best mate that knows everything about you. You know, if you're having a good day, if you're having a bad day, if you're lying or if you're, you know, you haven't thrown a good ball, he can give me the look. And, you know, I know that I haven't really done my work or, um, or done my homework, as you'd say. So um, that's probably been one of the biggest challenges, especially even, you know, the back end of the, you know, this this season, even the Brumbies, it's been, it was a bit difficult not having them around. Um, but slowly but surely, like, it, it's definitely getting better. Um, the only one thing I'd say is hard is that, uh, you know, the game prep, you know, doing my hair, you know, we don't travel as much, <laughs> but I haven't got someone to actually tie my hair yet, so... Very great, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he does yeah, so he braids my hair, so it's um I feel a little bit embarrassed, you know, coming to a new club, arcs and plays, oh do you mind braiding my hair, you know, or um, you know, it's a bit awkward. That's
0: you just haven't a found your guy science. yet.
1: Yeah, so I'm just you know, I've gotta do some searching and some marksing around about players to see if they can uh do my hair, but yeah. that's quite su- funny.
0: I'm surprised you didn't put that in your contract then, man, to have that professional. Oh,
1: well, yeah, mate. Oh. I'm regretting it now that's 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 being honest I'm <laughs> regretting it now so how did you actually
0: come across you know the interest from the London Irish and you know in your own perspective how come you chose you chose them
1: so I, I um, one of the biggest reasons was that they were in uh, so I'd saw them when they were in the championship and they were coming up and I thought uh, for me it's all about challenges you know why why go to teams if you if you can't challenge yourself, why can't go to teams if you can't better yourself but better the team? And um, that was the big thing for me. I wanted to better myself and not only come to England and play well, but wanted to come here and hopefully, um, you know, exceed expectations of the club, but everyone. And um, for me personally, um, that was one of the biggest reasons why I signed with London Irish, and for so long is because you know, ideally, I, I wanted to make sure that I came here and and um, you know added the, added some value um, to the club. Mm. And I think you know I had experience from that as well from coming from the Queensland Reds, where you know we'd been coming last for years and years and years, and we kind of we couldn't break that you know that winning streak, and then ended up winning a premiership. So for me, that was one of the biggest things that well, I wanted to do and try and do it again. Um, but personally, now you know, I think. Yeah, it's been tough. It's a tough journey, but I suppose nothing's, nothing ever easy, nothing ever hard is easy. And, yeah. um, I, I suppose that's, that's one of the big things that I've got, um, to learn, you know, at London Irish is, you know, the way that the structure's coming in, the way that they do things over here, the way that they play. Um, that's probably one of the biggest difficult and challenges I've had already, but then also not playing. And when you're not playing, it's hard to put your input in. So, now I'm getting, you know, getting some good game time, playing back to back games, uh, so I can have more input, and, and and then that's working for me now. And you know, we're slowly getting better, and we're starting to get them closer games. with with a I I think we're the best team that's won most bonus points. Okay. Obviously, we haven't won many games, but we've we've definitely by far got the most bonus points. But so meaning, we've been in between uh, seven. Um, I think we've won nine games. Um, oh sorry. We've been in between nine games that have been seven points
0: okay. or closer. Very close games.
1: So for us, it's 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 you know it's been challenging, and um, we're not far off. Um, it, it's just the one percenters, but we're definitely getting better.
0: Yeah, you know, given your experience at both super uh, super rugby level and on the international stage, going is one of the most experienced players now at, at the Irish. Have you taken a a more of a, a leadership approach in terms of looking after some of the young blokes coming through? Well.
1: To be honest, it's there's a lot of young... Well, we've got a lot of old blokes and we've got a lot of young blokes down at London Irish. So, um, yeah, I, I suppose I have. I got, you know, like especially around the scrum area. We have a lot of young props. Um, we have a lot of academy players that train with us. You know, that's probably one of the biggest things I've noticed here is that we have a squad of 60 players here. Oh, wow. It's super rugby. At Super Rugby, we have a squad of 30, 33. Um, and I think 30 of them are contracted or 33 are super, uh, super rugby contracted. And then two or three of them players, um, EQP or sorry, um, not EQP, uh, are like uh, academy players or uh, NTS players, players that are you know, are talented but um, are on academy contracts mm-hmm. in Australia. So I've never had to be around so many players at, at once. And uh, yeah, even at training, you, you know, we, we've got. Nearly 60 players, 50, I think it's like 50 something players at training. What, what do you, what do you do for training? That's two nearly whole teams. Yeah, definitely. Like, I yeah. mean, like 23, yeah. like 23, 23 plus, you know, injured blokes. Like, we've, I think we've got a, a, I think we've got like 18 injured blokes at the moment. But in saying that, like, we've got huge squad. And I, I, for me personally, it's, it's kind of hard to get around and, um, Get around the squad, and you're trying to you're trying to always meet and challenge blokes about yeah you know, their personality and that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah it, it, it's challenging. So I, I definitely have taken on a, a senior role though. But in saying that, um, that comes on with responsibility and getting around. And you know, for me personally, I love getting around uh, the boys, and I don't mind a, um, I don't mind saying good day and yeah, 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 you know, good old barbecue in the backyard. But, um, <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say in the backyard in in the house, but <laughs> it's um it's been it's been good. It's been really good. Yeah. So uh, take me back to the start because one of the things I, I wanted to
0: ask you because I know you're named after your father, who's yep. who's Anthony named
1: after? Um, What's... I would like to say that he is named after an apostle, but I have absolutely no idea. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I have no idea. Because like, I obviously,
0: think... you have got like a very traditional name and it obviously represents yeah, your father. Um,
1: and yeah, well, I think she'll probably say, it. yeah, she, yeah, I, I don't actually know. I know that my, my other brothers are named after um, either my uncles or a family relative. So Billy's definitely named after a family relative. Colby's named after um, one of my um, uncles or cousin uncles. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't really know where Anthony's from. Uh, you've got me and we can't that we we can't even say the milkman because he looks exactly like you yeah just uh I'm just a lot yeah I was gonna say I'm a lot fatter but I don't really want to uh drag myself down but um yeah he's definitely a lot skinnier that's for sure tell me a bit about the
0: the backyard games because given that you all played professional rugby some of these games must have
1: been pretty fierce oh it was uh, yeah fierce is probably an understatement we we played until someone bled, and then if someone had a bleeding nose or a black eye or something wasn't bleeding, then we we wouldn't stop. We'd just keep going. So, and it was always me and Billy and Anthony and Colby. So for us, it, uh, we just thought it was just what the norm um, to beat each other up. And when it was quite funny, actually, we had people over or we'd have friends over, and they'd see us playing and mucking around with each other. You know, our mucking around wasn't their kind of. They're mucking around like we'd be throwing each other into brick walls or <laughs> i remember we had a there was me and anthony in the car and we we're fighting over the front seat and we had two of our friends in the car and in my uncle's car um anthony put my head through the front windscreen what <laughs> and two of my friends were like did that just happen and my uncle was just gone So anthony's blown up and my dad was like he's come he's come home and he, he wasn't even angry he was just like okay, let's just get a new windscreen. Like, he was just like, boy, he's like, you can't fight around your uncle. Like, he's just more or less, just said, you know, like, if you're going to fight, like, fight outside. And I was just, (laughs) after that, like, my mates had just gone, like, jeez, what are we getting ourselves into hanging out with the Fiengers? (laughs) Must have given
0: you guys such a competitive advantage to be playing kind of at a level that no one else did, though.
1: Well, like I said to you, like, with Anthony and being my best friend, being there all the time, you know, we, you know, you, you'd always have a training partner if you go to training on the Saturday or train on Monday, Tuesday, and you and you couldn't do something, you didn't think that you'd done something right at training, you'd have a, a training partner at home. So you'd go home and, you know, we'd mum and dad would give us the, you know, give us the tools to train. So we, my, my father set up a goal post in the backyard we, um, for kicking. Mind you, we, we've never kicked in our life, even though Anthony's kicked a winning goal once or twice, but, um, you know, like us boys, you know, we, we catch past all the time. We, we tackled. And I think that's where we learned to tackle so well is because we always were tackling. We were yeah. always running. And um, it was just by pure aggression and, you know, just hard work that we got better and better and better at it. All
0: right, guys, just a quick break. Last episode, we had former New South Wales Waratahs and also Wallabies second rower, Dean Mum. It was quite an interesting chat. He's had quite the journey, and here's a quick little preview from the show with Dean. And then
2: a squad gets widened for the pre World Cup, and then it gets nailed for the World Cup. And, you know, and, we, and we were training bloody hard, and I don't, know, I, was, you know, it was, I, was, I was genuinely terrified the whole time. And then to get my, I, my first test back was in Argentina and Mendoza. Yeah, again, we played the 21, so you know, that was our tournament. So it was all this, this strange little tie-in the whole way through. And um, but I was so excited, every one of those, and so so scared every other time. And everything was brilliant. And you know, that was maybe that was one of the things that made a difference in the back end. When I went to the UK, I was certain that 33 tests was all I would ever have. And um, when you're away and over there, you realise Internationally, what the Wallabies jersey is all about and yeah. you know, what it means and what it is what it is an honour what an honour it is to have, have been in it so when you get another one yeah do it
0: so guys please go back if you're well into your rugby or your rugby league there is an absolute stellar class of people that I've been fortunate enough to interview on Talking With TK like I did mention obviously that was Dean Mum but we've had the likes of David Campese, Clyde Brathbone Matt Samua Nathan Charles Nathan Sharp Lots of the leaguers, like I mentioned, as well. So please go back and check out some of the, the back catalogue. If you want to get in touch with me, easiest way is probably Twitter. I'm at Talking with TK. Or please send me an email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Whether it's your first time or you've been back for a few shows, if you're not subscribed yet, you can do that via iTunes. And please leave me a five-star review. Yeah, given that you're from Canberra, though, man, did you play any rugby league before you played union? <laughs>
1: So we actually played rugby uh, rugby league. Uh, we started when we were four years old playing league. Yeah, yeah. And the only actual reason why we played rugby union is um, we had a cousin that was playing, Ippolito Finucatau, he was playing for the Brumbies at the time. And we were about 10 years old. And we ended up um, playing for the Queanbeyan Whites. And so we played, obviously, league all the way up. So we played for the Queanbeyan, uh, Queanbeyan Roos. Yep and we actually got coached by um surprise surprise a guy called Ron Guido who's Matt Guido's father yeah yeah so Ron so Ron Guido is Matt Guido's father and uh he actually coached us through all majority of our younger ages from, uh in rugby league um so we got coached by him and then uh we got picked up by St Edmunds College and then that was the only reason why we stayed uh had to swap over to rugby union because we went to a private school, okay. and they didn't allow us to play league. Were you always a hooker? Uh, no, I was actually a back row. Ooh, so I was the number okay. seven. Yeah, yeah. And then they kind of said to me, well, you're probably not going to beat George Smith at, at that time, because mm-hmm. he was just obviously starting. So, um, And they had amazing back rows. I wasn't really that tall, so I was the only you know, six foot. Um, so they said, you know, we can change into hooker. And, and that was about when I was 15. And then as soon as I changed to hooker, I played straight schoolboys that, that, that following year. And um, it was, you know, I never looked back really. Yeah. So
0: back then, you know, at the age of 15, were you a little bit more developed than Anthony was?
1: No, no, we were both. both he played, similar? He played yeah. first. Yeah. So he played the first 15 when um, he was 14 years old. Ooh. So he was the youngest ever person to play. Uh, I think he still might even hold the record. Youngest person ever to play uh, for the first 15 ever. Well, that's that's quite an achievement. And then... Yeah, so I think it was like 13, I think it was 14, nine months or something, 14, two months or something. It wasn't old at all before he played his first um, first 15 game. So, under 18.
0: Yeah, okay. So, first 15 at St. Edmunds. That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah. And at that time, like, they had, you had like, like, we, we'd we never lost the Rorotai Shield in years. Like, we'd never... Um, I don't think we'd lost a game in, you know, since 2001 or something. Like, it, it was... Yeah, like... Well, no, sorry. 1996 or something. It was something ridiculous. Like, we'd gone undefeated for, I think it was like 10 years before we even got there. Okay. And Ricky Stewart held the record before that, and that was 10 years or 15 years before we even got to school. <laughs> so... Yeah, so it was like, and it's just like, a, and you know, obviously Eddie's is renowned school for rugby, so it was like this niche rugby market. So at that time, we had myself, Anthony, we had Matt Guido, we had uh, Mark, um, Maddie Henjack, um, we had Jack Kennedy, we had um, who else? We have Jack Lamb, La La Lamb, the the guys that play for uh, Bristol. Yep, uh, that now represents Samoa. So we've got you know, good obviously agree. Griggs. Yeah, so, you know, we've got some some pretty pretty good players that come out of, at that time, um, from St. Edmund's College. Yeah, How, what, what were you like at school, both of you? Uh, I'd like to say that we were um, humble guys, that we were very uh, What about modest, ac- but, academically? Oh, terrible, terrible. <laughs> um, I can be very straight and honest with you. I was only there for rugby. Uh, academically now... Um, yeah, like I, I study now and, and work hard on things outside of rugby purely because of when I first went to the Brumbies and majority of the guys had degrees or business or diplomas or um, actually focused outside more on um, working and being better people outside of rugby than actually in rugby. Yeah. And, you know, that was a kind of inspiration. It was kind of a wake up call when I, when I'd go to training on a Wednesday, uh, sorry, Tuesday and I'd see George Gregan. Um, go home back to Sydney on the Wednesday or sorry Tuesday night and come back on the Thursday because he had to go to work and run his coffee companies and I thought that was that was one of the biggest things I took out of going to the rugby and I think that was a blessing disguise to actually learning out like rugby is not just there for you know like obviously rugby is um, it's a good tool to um, to be mentored by other players but not that's a good springboard to I suppose to network or to get involved in other things, or to kind of make sh- show you a direction where you want to go. And uh, after seeing Briggs and uh, guys like Al Campbell and all these other um, professional players, you know, even Joe Roth, for instance, you know, leaving um, Super Rugby to go to Oxford and study Oxford, um, mm. you know, I thought that was crazy. You know, I, I so for me, I, you know, I was in awe of these guys already, but then to see them go out and give up rugby to study or you know I, I thought that was amazing and you know to be honest like now you see guys you know your rugby career is so short and you see guys try and study and it's too hard mm. um, so and you know, to see you. them guys getting half yeah and I just see guys now they get half the money Um, you know they were getting probably half the money at that time but we still had the time to actually make things happen and still study you'll still get the degree you'll still become a you know, a lawyer, as in, like, John, R- Dr. John Rowe, um, up in Queensland, the captain, you know, ex-captain. Um, you know, guys like that, I just thought were, you know, it was just, it was mind-blowing.
0: Yeah, it was an incredible dynasty that you kind of came into it at a young age. You know, you sprung off all those names, but for a good period of, like, seven years, they are in the top five for a long, long time. That must have been incredible, just to even as a young bloke being in that academy. And like you said, learn from them, on a daily basis and pick up their, you know, their, their success habits.
1: Oh, it was, Uh, you pick up some good habits and some bad habits, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, some of them guys, yeah, you you, know, I, I, I remember telling some of the guys um, at the Brumbies last year about when I first started and, um, you know, as a 17-year-old coming into training and literally I was more nervous to go to training than I was in, the, in like, going to a game. Because, you know, I knew that if I didn't chuck a ball straight, it'd be getting thrown back at me. If I ran out of the line or I didn't know a process or I didn't know a call, that someone would yell at me and scream at me and not by a coach, but the other players Yeah. because they demanded excellence. And that was how they operated. Like, you know, there was no stone unturned. Like, if you didn't know the information, you search for the information. And if you didn't search for the information, you're not doing your job. So if you're not doing the job, why are you here?
0: Yeah. Was that the so, only team that was like that during your career? Oh,
1: not not, not really. Um, You know, Ewan, Ewan McKenzie, when he came in, I thought he was one of the best coaches I've ever had. Yep. Um, Why is know, that? I, I think oh, he he was just... He played the plays he had. He didn't play... Uh, He knew a structure of what he wanted to try and do, but the players that he had, he just adapted and said, this is the way we're going to play because of these players. Um, We haven't got the best scrum, so we're going to go... With a quick scrum, we haven't got the best line. It so we're going to throw it where we can win the ball. We've got, we haven't got the best attackers. I uh, so we've got the best attackers, but we haven't got the best defenders. So Quay Cooper, you're going in the, you're going to play fullback. You know, I think like, you know, things like that. Like I thought that he was, he was very, ta- he was a tacticianist. He he always thought best for what was the team, and mm. when he picked plays, he picked them for a reason you know, in his he had like a, a a visual plan and I think that was probably one of the best things I ever learnt from him is that there was always a reason or there was always something behind it. It wasn't just because um you're playing badly, like you knew that if you played badly, you know, most teams you you're gonna get dropped. He would drop you if you're playing good. Like okay. to give another person opportunity because he would want them to either sink or swim. And I thought that was really good because you know, like you think you're invincible when you're playing well, but when you play bad, you just that expectation of yeah, I'm going to get dropped.
0: Yeah, it well, must he have was like increased no. competition. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, I had James Hansen, who's you know, for me, like one of I, you know, for for me, since I arrived at Queensland, we, we were you know, we, had, we were competitors for our whole career, now. and I thought that was pretty. You know, he made us com- uh, competitors. He made us make sure that you know, like. There wasn't just one hooker. We had two hookers. Hmm. And I had Sean Hagman. I had, you know, Jeremy Paul. I had all these other great hookers to loan off. And, um, that was probably the only time I really had competition because, <laughs> you know, that's what you all wanted. Competition drives success. Success drives winning teams. And I think, you know, the more that you're fighting against your opponent or not fighting, I, I suppose, um, you have that competition, the harder the other people your, your opponent is going to work. And I think that's that's what he brought. He brought the best out of players, but he brought the best out of teams, out of the team that we had.
0: Yeah. Well, to get to the Queensland Reds, you know, you play a couple of seasons to begin with the ACT Brumbies. Can you tell us a story about how you actually signed with the Reds? And did you guys sell yourselves as a package deal?
1: So, uh, we kind of did, but we didn't, I guess. Uh, I kind of, some, Anthony, uh, I got offered a contract at the Brumbies and... Um, they offered, they didn't offer Anthony a contract, uh, but the Queens of Reds did. I called up the Queens of Reds coach and I said, I'm not, I'm going to come up there. I'm not, I'm not leaving my twin. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Phil Murney said, Yep. He goes, uh, Okay, what do we need to get you here? He just said, Just give me exactly the same as I'm getting out of the Brumbies and I'll go. And at that time, um. You know, we had Sterling Mortlock as captain with Gregan. You know, I had, um, we had, you know, no one left the Brumbies. It was unheard of. And I think the year before that, Matt had just left. And he was like the first person I've ever known to leave the Brumbies to go to another club. Hmm. Obviously, like when you're in Canberra, it's a fraternity. You never, you know, you're so close. You live in each other's pocket. No one's actually from Canberra. Well, majority of the people are not from Canberra. Uh, at that time, no one really reside or stayed in Canberra. They kind of commuted back from Sydney or from wherever they were living. They just lived there for the actual super rugby season then went back to wherever they were from. So for me to make that decision w- w- was a huge decision. Right? And, you know, obviously I made the right decision to go, but, um, you know, I had, Definitely, Laurie Fisher saying this is the worst mistake you're making. Yeah, this is a you're making the you know when you go you're going to a losing team that's never won a game. This is the worst thing you could ever do to your cricket. As certainly Morlock even say, and he even has apologised. <laughs> <that>, you know <laughs> he goes like he goes he said to us he said he said to me, and I remember the day like, he sat me down next to the gym in, in Griffith, and he said to me he goes mate if you go you're making the worst decision of your career. Wow. And I was just like, okay, like, you know, and it was so much doubt, but I, I suppose we just believed in each other and believed in, you know, going up there and, you know, our first year, my first year in Queensland was the worst year I've ever had. I'd been playing for the Brumbies. I was actually playing games. I was playing Super Rugby, you know, supposedly the number one choice at, in, in Canberra. Mm. I went there and I didn't play one game. Like, So coming back, so going up to Queensland and, and literally not had played um, one single game, not starting. Sorry, one single game, literally coming off the bench um, every game for the whole 13 games, still coming last. I um, it was a big shock to the body. You know, I had gone up there um, with you know them giving me or selling me the world, um, saying that yeah you're going to be our number one hooker. I I just assumed it was going to happen because it happened at, you know in Canberra. I worked hard. Um, but yeah, I just, I got complacent and I had a, one of the biggest things I've learned, you know, from a guy called Sean Hyman from Queensland, yep. he was, he was the old guy at the time. He, he was, um, you know, like 35 or something, um, 34 even, um, you know, had been around the traps who he, he'd known about the losing culture, um, and was a, was a tough guy, but trained super hard. Wasn't the best athlete, wasn't the best player, but worked super hard and I, I like to my like to his credit like he was probably he was probably the player that made me become probably the best player that i had been because literally i thought you know if this bloke here can be in the gym longer than everyone else then why can't i be in the gym longer than everyone else mm. so i had that bit of competition with him and um you know it obviously took a year to get involved but then obviously the next year Ewan came in and you know obviously started getting more game time and things like that but um, yeah, it was. It was just. It was. It was tough to know that, you know, I I could have been starting at the Brumbies and I had a lot of doubt. Then I've come up to Queensland and couldn't even get a start. So um, that was probably one of the biggest. And I think, you know, at that time, I think you know all the Brumbies boys would have been thinking, you know, serve yourself right. Um, but you know, I I suppose I got the last laugh.
0: Yeah, for sure. So with a change of attitude. How long did it take you to break back into the starting team?
1: Oh, just the following year. Yeah. So okay. um, it was just a good pre season. We just had a good pre season, but I was, it was just more because I was just more complacent, you know, thinking I was going up to Queensland after, you know, I think, you know, trying to brushing the Brumbies when, you know, i probably worked harder there because I was um, because we had a winning culture it was tougher there going up to Queensland, I just thought, you know, it was just going to all happen for me.
0: Yeah, how, how, did, um, how did, did he go when he went up there?
1: Yeah, so he was actually starting, he actually started more games than, yeah, I think he started 50% of the games or 60% of the games, so, mm. you yeah, know, it was kind of a little bit embarrassing, you know, um, he couldn't get a contract in Canberra, but then was starting up there and I couldn't play. Um, so for me, like a person, it was, you know, it was, it was tough. Um, but I guess, you know, um, I look at, you know, when I I look back now and I think about how good you know Laurie Fisher was as a coach and the players how hard he pushed me as a player. You know, like as a you know, um, personally, you know, he, he was probably one of the reasons why that you know I, I think I was so hard driven down in Canberra, mm. and I just kind of needed that push as well. And then when I got up up into Queensland, you know, I didn't have someone like that there around me to. Kind of, you know, have that respect person there, and he was very, very big on it, and he backed me all the time. Laurie Fisher did, so um, yeah, I think I think that was one of the, one of the reasons. Well, but yeah, sure enough, I just needed a good kick in the bum, and
0: yeah. It's just a quick break in the podcast again. Today's episode is presented by Populus. If you haven't checked out Populus yet, and you're a business owner looking to increase sales for your business, or maybe create efficient, profitable systems. I can't speak more highly enough. They've actually looked after me, helped me in terms of creating a system, a foundation for both my podcast and my side business, and taken both to the next level. I actually get some personal mentoring from CEO Ro Singh. He's a close personal friend. Can't highly recommend him enough. So please get in touch with Ro. He's got a big conference on at the end of the year featuring Tom Hopkins. So check out the Check out their website at www.populus.com.au, and that is spelt P-O-P-U-L-I-S. To give you a quick preview for our next episode, which will be on Thursday, and it's with West Tigers front rower and former New South Wales Blue, Tim Grant. And I had an awesome
2: chat with Tim last week, and here's a little preview from our chat. You know, you watch Origin. Origin was massive in my family. It was like... Like I said before, it was like Christmas day. We would just hang around the TV, and there'd be a build-up to it. And you know, it was so for me to actually get to play in that arena and have my family there—it was, um, was surreal. It was unbelievable.
0: Tell me about the first kick-off because it is something special between you know, just in rugby league. Because it was the young ball when he took on the old ball. Yeah, Petro lined you up.
2: Yeah, tell me about I- well, it. Well, it was early in the in the camp, and Ricky Stewart said, um, "If." we kick off sweet, but if they kick off, they kick to our left, their right, um, do you want to take the carry? And I was like, yeah, like, of course, like, you know, I sorta, of, we have spoke about that, me and my brother and and our family and that always speak about our first carry in Origin. It's like, when we were kids, we'd hang around the TV and like, that's 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 what Origin was for us. It's like, let's, let's, that's the start of it, let's, let's go, you know? So when Sticky said that to me, I was like, yeah, of course, like, I, I'm pretty keen. And then it just happened. I, you know, I was, I was pretty emotional. Um, just knowing my family was there, and um, you know, I just 80,000 people. It was in Sydney, so it was pretty, pretty much all a blue crowd. Yeah. Um, and I thought all I got to do is catch the ball and then just run as hard as I can. And what will be will be. So I just got the ball and ran as hard as I can. And you know, if if I'd done it a hundred times, I reckon Petra would knocked me out 99. I was yeah. just got that one. I just got lucky and, you know, he had one foot off the ground and it just history, that's it. That's that's what happened. So please, guys,
0: don't miss a thing. Best thing to do is to subscribe for free to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you can get your podcasts if you can't get online maybe you've got an android and you can't connect easiest way is www.talkingwithtk.com if you if you're having a lot of troubles please send me an email at tristan at talkingwithtk.com and i'll sort it all out for you all right guys let's get back to the show 2010 was uh, 2011 was a huge year for you man obviously world cup and super rugby final Queensland take the crown 1813. Your minor premiers. Like I know that you you spoke about before about you and bringing in competition and the way he coached. Obviously had a big yeah. influence on the result at the end of the day. Plus the ability of all the players. But in your own perspective, talk a little bit about how that 2011 season actually went.
1: Yeah, as to be honest, it's always kind of a blur mm. um, going back to that year because. You know, it went so quick. We we just stayed to our structure. We, as my as one of my brothers would say, we stayed in our lane, um, <laughs> and we we all worked for the better good. Like we, we knew what, I think the, the following year or that year before, we actually I think we came fourth or fifth. We you know we, we got knocked out in the semis. Um, we we were challenging for the cup, but we just we we copped too many injuries. Um, you know that year we just did, didn't have any injuries. The team was firing. The you know it wasn't just the the 15 or the 23. We had a we had a great squad, yeah. and everyone had a good input. And I think that was probably the key to our success: is that the actual squad um, didn't get in, no one really got injured in key positions, key players. Um, you know, I suppose you know players like Quaid or Digby. I don't even think they got tackled. You know, to be honest, like they were just. You know, they were outstanding. Um, our forwards, you know, James Hall was a great captain. He captain, you know, captain really well. And, you know, we just followed. It was like follow the leader, but we were all leaders. So we had no really old guys um, at that time either. So we are kind of a young kind of up-and-coming team. And I think it was just a good team performance and good team year, I think.
0: Yeah. You know, you were down at halftime seven to six. Did you... Were you really confident going into that half time that you guys could turn it around and run over the top of them?
1: Well, this is so the only time I had so I had a lot of doubt going at half time. I was like, you know, this is the quickest game of rugby I've ever played. You know, we're going to oh, before I obviously um, played in the World Cup, but this is like one of the quickest games I've played. Geez, what are we going to be in for the second half? So I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. And then after Will Gennon scored that try, I was just like, we're in this, we could win. Like, I was just like, we could win, we could possibly win this. And it just didn't really come to that we could be Super Rugby champs. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen, you know, being at the Brummies, I'd saw, you know, Griggs hold the cup, I like, you know, and, you know, just, um, Larkham hold the cup, and I was just like, you know, that, that was my ambition to kind of do that, and I never thought that that would happen. And I suppose yeah, it was just... Dream come cheer, I guess.
0: What did you guys do to celebrate?
1: Well, that young was fellas. another thing. We, well, we young fellas, yeah. Um, so we, it was kind of good but bad. So we, by the time we got out of the change room and everything, we just went to our, like uh, the Normby, which was quite close. We stayed there. Um, and then we went back to the rugby club, so our, our um, club in uh, Ballymore. We stayed there. We had a, like a big, I suppose, parade um, on the Sunday. It a huge parade on the Sunday and then um, we got shipped off to Wallabies on the Monday Ooh. morning at 7am.
0: With a We fly
1: off to Wallabies with a huge hangover. But we really didn't get to really celebrate it as much as other teams have because you go straight into that Wallabies period and because it was a World Cup year you know it, it, most of the coaches were really strict on us so we couldn't really do that much. Um in saying that, I would never change anything again. It was, it was, still one of the greatest times, I've you know I, I've ever had. So, and you know when you when you're drinking, you know, winners' alcohol is always better than uh, losers' <laughs> alcohol. <that's> for sure.
0: <laughs> for sure. So I did actually skip over something. I wanted to ask you about your test debut because it came down in your hometown against Fiji, and that was a year before that. Tell us about finding out that you were going to debut at your hometown.
1: Yeah. So. I actually, obviously, um, I was going to, well, I could have started, um, but we had a test against England the following week, mm-hmm. and I think we'd just come back off um, a game in Super Rugby or something. And so obviously I wanted to start, but I think Huey Edmonds started uh, that game, or oh, I'm not quite sure who started. Anyway, I, it, the feeling was like I was just. Just to wear that gold jersey was just amazing. Like I, uh, Fiji or even Georgia or Russia or anyone, like to put that jersey on, like is just absolutely ma- amazing, and you feel like you're bulletproof. And I always say to people, like you never know the feeling of um, satisfaction until you wear something that you've wanted since you're a young kid, mm. or since you've, you know, you always want. To, you say like, what's your end goal? You want to, you know might be you want to be a doctor or you want to like I always wanted to play for my country. If it was for the kangaroos or for the wallabies, it didn't worry me, I just wanted to play for my country. And then, you know, the more it you know I started from, you know, get involved with rugby when I was like ten or eleven, that's all I wanted to do is to play for the wallabies.
0: Yeah, how was the answer? And um
1: to you? Oh I was like crying like a little girl, like I was just, like, <laughs> that's like a awesome. little baby. Like I was I was like a little baby, like it was this it was so surreal. I had all my family there, had all my friends from Eddy's, um, and obviously been playing in Queensland for I think it was like two years, so I didn't really get to see them. So coming back home, um, you know, having you know, some of the Brumbies boys that I'd played with, you know, guys like that, you know, coming in and watching me, yeah, you know, it was just an, an amazing feeling. And you know, like um, that and the grand final was probably one of the most biggest things, and obviously debuting with my twin brother as well, them, them three probably definitely stick out the most, as in the biggest things I've achieved in, in my rugby career because, you know, um, you, you never forget your debut, but you never forget um, when you see that gold jersey and you walking and changing, and you're so nervous to put it on because you're like, when you wear that, it comes with so much responsibility, not just on your shoulders, but you carry the country on your shoulders, and yeah. that's how I treat it, treated the jersey.
0: The jersey, the debut jersey, so what did you actually do with it?
1: So, uh, it, oh, it's posted up in. well, It's actually in storage at the moment. But usually, everywhere we go, it's it's hanging on the wall. Or my dad used to hang it up. Well, my dad had it hanged up in their in our family area with my mom in my mum dad's house. Oh, brilliant. But um, the way we moved to Queensland, I I didn't didn't really know if I should take it down or not or bring it up, but um had a family house, so I said, oh, do you mind if I take it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my old man's like, he gave me, he, he said, yeah, you can take it. But yeah, after, yeah, so I've just got it hanging in, usually hanging on the wall, but since I've moved here, it's just in storage.
0: Yeah, nice one. All right, so I'm going to flip the script a little bit now. I'm really impressed with you and your brother with your stuff that you got interested in outside of rugby, stuff like entrepreneurship. And I know you guys are big, especially when you're back home, into your property investment. Tell me about how you kind of got into that side sort of things.
1: Um, so my father was a big believer of, um, you know, like not renting your own house, not not renting, uh, buying houses and and paying it off and things like that. So, so both Anthony and I was, you know, we, we started um, in a, a couple townhouses in que- in Coimion, and just we had a couple of our friends that were plumbers. Bricklayers, electricians, um, and they just come out and helped us out. We, um, I, I, one of our main friends, Tom Kasunik, who is one of our biggest construction workers. Well, is one of the biggest construction workers in Canberra. He was probably one of the best guys for us. He just gave us advice about you know, um, you, know just, you know, the civil engineer stuff, or the council and appealing for stuff and things like that. So. That was probably that was where we first started, and then we obviously developed into bigger properties and um, splitting blocks, and and then now we're building nineteen houses in Braden, um at the moment. Oh, nice! So we've gone from you know one or two houses to now nineteen houses in Braddon. So for us, um, yeah, it, it's been it's a long it's been long journey, but yeah, you know, and it gets tight quite tough and tedious and stressful um, but in saying that like it's it's definitely paying off and um, I, you know, I I thank my father immensely for, for giving us good guidance and um, just being really strict with us and making sure that we be really diligent with our money.
0: Yeah you've definitely timed the market very very well mate.
1: <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: touch wood now.
1: Yeah touch wood now Maybe we, we end up going bankrupt so no.
0: But you've obviously put a lot of thought into this. You know, you're probably at the back end of your career. You might have four or five years left in playing. This is probably obviously where you see your long term future. Is that what I'm
1: saying? Yeah. Um. Not in my life, I'll probably end up doing something completely different. But why I'm playing rugby, um, it's quite nice. So it's quite easy, and you know, I I enjoy it. So it's it's good. It gets me away from rugby. But <laughs> I don't know. It's quite funny because everyone goes, I'll probably become a coach or I'll probably do something different, um, even from coaching, so uh, I might be a salesman, but yeah, (laughs) after rugby, I'm I'm not quite sure, I don't know, I'll sell myself short, I guess. Yeah. What about the
0: Think Pink charity? I saw that also on your website. When you're back in Australia, is that something that you guys get your hands pretty dirty with
1: as well? Well, Yeah, definitely. So we've had that charity running for the last five years, Um, you know, we've made some We've got some great sponsors who, um we've made we've, we've raised over nearly three quarters of a million dollars with um you know, our sponsors, our I suppose our fans, but not only that our our supporters of the ThinkPink um charity or, you know, the breast cancer charity that we were running is just an amazing um amazing event, but it's you know, the people are amazing and supporters so um, yeah, we didn't do it last year. Our father passed away, so it was tough for us to mm-hmm. do it. Um, but you know, this coming year and uh, next year, we're definitely going to be doing it. Um, you know, I, I think you know to give back is the biggest thing, especially when you're in a blessed position that we are in. Um, you know, people are people do look up to you, and kids do look up to you. And I think yeah. if you're in, in that kind of position, you do need to give back to the community or to. Um, to you know families and one of the biggest reasons why we well, the reason why we started is obviously for our grandmother and uh when she got breast cancer the second time and the third time you know something needs to be done but we also have been to hospitals and we've seen you know single mothers you know with three kids um you know had breast cancer and you know I think about how tough my grandmother had it she couldn't see us kids because you know when she was going through chemo she was always sick so you know we we wanted to help out you know these these mothers or these these you know I suppose families that we could um, give them some money to get some groceries or not worry about school fees or not worry about you know if they can get to work with their or if their kids can get to school with petrol money or paying for a babysitter and these are the things that we wanted to you know acts of kindness and I suppose there might might be small things in the long run but um, they, they mean a lot to families like that and that's what we wanted to do
0: yeah, definitely. Well, stay in touch definitely about events like that, mate. I'm happy to support anything like that and get the get the message out to any, any people in my audience and network, man.
1: Thanks very much. Much yeah. appreciated.
0: Definitely. All right, let's wrap things up with a couple of personality questions, mate. Now, first yeah. one, what was your favourite grounds? Cut Suncorp out. What was your favourite ground both in Australia and when you're playing overseas? So, Australia,
1: obviously Canberra. Uh, Actually, you know, I cut Canberra
0: out as well. Uh,
1: uh, well, you know, you leave me to other stadiums, really, <laughs> don't you? Um, mate, it could be a local a, ground. Oh, well, then you have to go back to good old uh, Campese Oval. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so good old Campese Oval. I know that all the boys are going to rag on me for saying it, but, yeah, good old Queenbeon, it's, you know... Got to look after the local. champions out there. Yeah, mate, yeah, I love it. So...
0: <laughs> What about overseas, man?
1: Um, overseas, Cape Town. Yeah, nice. Cape Town's probably one of my greatest. But you
0: debuted
1: uh, if, there, yeah? Uh, yeah, I debuted there. But then I'd probably say if if Super Rugby obviously is great for that kind of stuff. But then um, for Wallabies, I'd like without a doubt Twickenham when they you know when they sing you know the, the songs there, it shakes. Oh, that'd be unreal. Um, yeah, it, it, it is absolutely amazing and. You know, like when I first played there I saw all these uh, white things on these seats and I I was genuinely like, What is all these white things on these seats? And I I think it holds eighty thousand or hundred thousand X amount of it. it's huge. And they want every single seat. I jumped over the fence and I went over and I looked at it and it was an English flag. And I was like thinking in my head, like, if they cost a the, like who what like club or what nation can afford a dollar for every seat to have all these white flags and then when i ran out it was just a sea of white and wow. a little bit of like literally a bubble of um bright yellow and i was just like geez this is intimidating this is what you call this is what everyone talks about <laughs> so they spent you know, a hundred grand on flags pretty much i, More, I don't maybe. know how much i even, i was just i was just saying like a dollar as a figure but I don't know. They it, they got their money's worth, that's for sure, because it was the most intimidating environment I've ever been a part of. So, it was, like, that's definitely one of the greatest, like, environments I've ever been around that, and fields play.
0: That's a mad story. All right, I'm going to take you back to your childhood. What posters did you have on your bedroom all growing up? Oh,
1: this is shameless, but probably the Backstreet Boys and uh, Good Old Handsome.
0: Did you boys share a
1: room? Yeah. So we had double, well, we had three-bedroom um, house and so it was always me and Anthony so we had a bunk beds
0: yeah oh, how good are the I bunk know. beds Jesus I miss my bunk beds uh, yeah well
1: I don't know if I'd fit on one now but yeah <laughs> the, the bunk beds definitely good when we younger That for sure
0: <laughs> alright so our last question you're going to be hosting a private dinner party you've got five invites now only rules no family or friends but you can invite yeah. anyone dead or alive who would you like to invite
1: um uh, Barack Obama um not probably, Barack Obama. What's the South African... Um,
0: oh, Nelson Mandela.
1: Nelson Mandela. Um, wouldn't mind the guy off uh, the geographic show. Seems pretty... He um, knows he'd have some pretty cool stories. Yeah, uh, sure. What's his name? Sorry? I know who
0: you're talking about. I've just lost his name as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, probably only three people. I've been pretty lucky to have dinner with some lucky people already. Really? Yeah, so, i yeah like, no actors that really inspire me to have dinner with them, like, um, so, no, just probably, they free. The only reason why Barack Obama, obviously the president, first black president, um, uh, Nelson Mandela, I think, you know, like, some of the stories I've heard about him, or what he's done, like, pretty amazing, and then, you know, um, there's not many times that you get to hear about the, I suppose, wildlife or being part of that kind of sector anywhere, so, yeah, they're probably the only three. I couldn't really think of anyone else, like, you know, groundbreaking, you know, like, yeah, you know what, it's not a
0: bad out. dinner party because you can keep it intimate so you guys can actually have a chat instead of having to yeah. like spend time with everyone, Like, so uh, it's actually not a bad would, idea, first one they ever accepted. Like, that.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say, like, Beyonce, like, I, what are you going to talk about? i I. You know, like I just don't think that I would really intrigue me. You know, at the end of the day, like yeah, I, I think the, you know, I'll be there just to more it'd be just more in awe of the guys, just to listen to this. literally. Oh, I might bring stories. Donald Trump if I had to. Yeah. <laughs> just to see how much, see see what see what's up his sleeve, and see how much shit he'd be talking at at, at the dinner table. But guess, um, yeah, that, yeah, he'd be definitely an entertainer. Yeah. For but, sure. yeah. He'd be just a guest invite, not an
0: actual invite. So <laughs> I really appreciate you joining me on the show today. Before I let you go, everyone get following Sayer. You can find him online, www.fingertwins.com.au, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you'll find him on the same handle, Twins as well. I have it all in the show notes. yeah, all the best awesome. for the rest of the season. really appreciate you coming on and sharing all the mad stories, man.
1: i really had a mad time. Awesome. All good. <laughs> Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. And guys,
0: that was our chat with Saya Fainga. Please follow him across all his social medias. I'm sure that he would appreciate the support. If you love the episode, please get in touch with him or tag me on any posts on social media. I'll be very appreciative if you've, you know you shared that with your family and friends. Really helps me grow and continue to bring on some of the amazing guests I've had on the show. As mentioned, next week on the show, actually on Thursday, we're going to have a double episode this week. We've got West Tigers front rower, Tim Tim Grant, on the show. So had a very interesting chat with Tim, so stay tuned for that one. But there's plenty across NRL, rugby, and all other sports to be on the show. I'm lining him up. I've I've, uh, been pretty busy over the last month. I'm about seven episodes ahead, so I've got plenty of content lined up for you guys, and that will continue to be dished out across the year. Please connect with me on Twitter. I'm at TalkingWithTK. That's my, my handle on Facebook as well. Instagram, you'll find me at Tristan Nell. Or like I said, always send me an email. Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Any people that you want to hear on the show, I'll try my best to get them on. And yeah, any suggestions you've got also, please also send them through. All right, guys. I really enjoyed bringing that one to you.
1: I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking With TK.